He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at slicktalkmedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time, so if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's rentals.torescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to, again, provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in, in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So maybe you need to convert part of your lobby into a co-working space and um, maybe deploy kiosks there. So that, because yeah. generally a lobby is a space where you have this giant reception desk where people queue up for a bad experience, maybe rethink that whole experience so that you, it's your prime real estate. The lobby is the nicest piece of the hotel yeah. that is used for queuing up at a reception desk. Rethink that. You can totally do it in a different way. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. In hotels and vacation rentals, the top complaints or issues are noise, garbage, and parking. I may not be able to solve all of your parking and garbage problems, but I could definitely help with your noise problems. And that actually might just help your garbage and parking problems too. So NoiseAware is the only 100% privacy-safe noise monitoring solution that property managers and owners can use in order to ensure they avoid parties and other issues happening at their property. You won't get notified when a plate breaks. But if you have a little quiet get-together that kind of gets out of hand, like this, then NoiseAware will give you the peace of mind to ensure that you and your property 
And of course, your profits are protected. So use my code SLICKTALK20 to get 20% off of all noise monitoring devices and focus on the other important things that help you run your business. Now, thank you for checking out Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Get back to the episode. And don't forget to check out Noise Aware while you're listening. everybody welcome back to another episode of slick talk the hospitality podcast and i'm very excited to have matt who is the ceo of muse uh if anyone's an avid listener of the podcast uh we had richard who is one of the founders as well uh on the podcast and we went very deep into the philosophy of hospitality and what it means to really sell not just a room but an experience how do you capture more of a guest uh you know, time and thought process outside of their stay from the, the before and after of their uh, experience. So, uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited. Obviously, a big fan of Muse and what you guys have built. So, uh, welcome thank to you. The show. Nice. I'm excited. Of course. Yeah. Where are you located? Just uh, for the audience's sake. I'm currently in Prague, Czech Republic. So, okay. okay. Well, what's the weather like? Is it as cold as it is here in Denver? Uh, it's like just above freezing point and raining and drizzling for the last few weeks. It's uh, I love snow, so I'm really holding out for some good snow this year. Okay. Well, I was going to say we woke up to a big blanket of snow this morning. Oh, so, yeah. Nice. You'll have to Jealous. make it up to Denver one day. Um, <laughs> but no, let's let's jump into it. I really want to get to know your story. This is a, a founders-focused uh, story as well as you know CEOs, executives in the industry that we really love to dive in deep and not just talk about the products and what you guys have built, but to you know, connect that personal aspect. I think the the audience really enjoys that part. So, where'd you where'd your uh, story all begin? What, what's the the start point for hospitality in your life? It started in the well. I'm I'm Dutch originally, and and Dutch people we have two major holidays. There's the one where the whole of Holland migrates to Austria to go skiing in the winter, and then there's the one where we get our like camper van behind our car and we go to France. And those kind of the two directional the holidays that we take. Um, and I remember. At the age of four, I knew that I was going to be a hotelier. I, you know, I went to Austria, and you know, these hotels are beautiful. These wooden hotels in the mountains of Austria, and if you think about it, like in winter you get beautiful snow, and then in the summer the weather is wonderful there, and they give you like schnitzels. I don't know if you've ever had this food. So it, I, I arrived in this hotel, and they gave me fantastic food. You get to ski all day, um, and I just loved it. And that was truly the moment when I knew that I was going to be a hotelier. Um, and then the moment I was allowed to go work at 16, I started working in restaurants and, and everything was, I'm a nerd, you know, in school, I was the guy in front of the class with my hand in the air at all times. So I, I was always ambitious. I always wanted to have a career and, and work as hard as I could because I just, I get excited about working. I don't really have hobbies and, and work <laughs> is my hobby, which is silly to say, but, um, yeah, I, I've always had this ambition to go into the hotel space. Well, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Four years old is an early age to be like, that's it. And yeah, I think like a lot of people that don't get to travel at a younger age, they they don't really get to the get like that fantasy of it, you know, where it's like it's a brand new room, it's a comfy bed, you have a TV, possibly room service. Like it's just a new and exciting experience, especially as a kid. So yeah, I can only imagine if more people were exposed to it at a younger age, how many people would actually get into the industry. Um. But you said something that was really cool and fascinating. So you're always asking questions, always raising your hand. 
uh, I, I'm guilty of this as well. I just moved to Denver like in November of last year. And uh, uh, all these people were like, oh, so what do you do? Like blah, blah, blah. And telling them, you know, podcasts and da, da, da. But they're like, oh, what do you do outside of work? And I was like, uh, nothing. <laughs> I don't have any hobbies. This is my hobby that is also work at the same time. So how do you balance that? Do you, do you find there's like a work-life balance type thing for you? Or is it more of a like, I don't know, is it, how do you just turn that off and, and go into a normal personal life outside of music? Yeah, it's hard, especially when you're in high, hyperscale business. Like it, it is hard to find that balance. A typical work, work week is 60 hours working. Um, and that's been the same for the last 10 years with Muse and it's got worse and, and better sometimes, but on average it's 60 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try and really be regimented about my routine. I, I sleep eight hours at night. I work out every day. And if I don't do those things, I feel off for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, if you think about that, right, so you've got your eight hours of sleep, you've got your workout in, then you get 12 hours of work in, in that day. Then you get two hours at the end of your day before you have to get back to bed to get your eight hours of sleep. So midweek, yeah. there is no social life. Um, uh, it, it's in the weekend. So we really try on Friday and Saturday night to go hang out with friends. Yeah. Um, but it is hard. Like, unfortunately, being in a startup, it, it's not the, the best thing for your social life. And as I get older, um, you know, in my 20s and early 30s, you still look for new friends. And at some yeah. point of your late 30s, you're like, actually, you know, I don't really want new more friends. I just want to be closer to the friends that I have and really spend time with my best, best friends. And that really has been a shift in the last few years. Interesting. Interesting. So being, do you think it's been maybe the impact of COVID or, you know, we kind of were kind of cut off from the closer people in the beginning? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, like pre COVID, obviously we were always traveling and we were yeah. always around huge amounts of people at our company. And suddenly that's all remote. And I find I am struck. Like I went to the office today for a few couple hours and I, and I was like, I felt, you know, this is constant, I want to engage with them, but I have, I'm used to being so productive at home and I've become, I've become unproductive when I'm in the office. So I left midway through thinking I'm just wasting time, like chatting with everyone, which is great, but I've got so much work to do at this point. So I left the office and went back home to become the productive man again. Yeah. The productive man. I like it. Well, uh, what, so you said you started out in restaurants going up to your way. When did you get involved in Muse? What were you doing before? Is there, you know, there's a, probably a bigger gap. You've been with Muse for 10 years, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, um, I, I did hotel school, um, studied hotel management in, in, in Holland. And then at 21, I was like, I'm getting out of here. I, I'm going to travel and see the world. So I, I moved to London for a year with Hilton. Um, Hilton put me on this fast track management program. So I did London for a year, South Africa. And then I ended up in Prague where they offered me a job and I, I ran the food and beverage at the Big Hilton. Like we had a thousand room hotel here, wow. so lots of restaurants. And then I moved to front office, which was my dream. I love front office. It's this, it's, you know, eight, when you have that volume of rooms and you've got multiple reception, we had a group reception, a main reception, an executive reception. You, an average day was like four or 500 check-ins. It is right. exciting. And, you know, it, I love that stress of having to deal with it on the moment. Um, and but then at the end of the day, you're done, right? You've checked them all in and out, and you're done. And the next day, it repeats. And I love that there's this instant gratification, which you know now in my role, it's much harder to get that gratification on a day-to-day basis because everything is a long project um, that comes to fruition, and you still have those moments when you sign a big deal. Yeah. Um, and then I left front office um, and went into sales. Like someone saw me and they're like, "You should be in sales." And I was like, "Sure, I'll, I'll try that." Um, and, and actually loved sales like this, you know, being able to sell a hotel and, and be like, we were, had a massive convention space. I used to travel the U S 
and get these conference organizers to bring their events into Prague. And I had to sell the destination Prague in the convention space. Um, and I was really good at it. Like, I really love puzzling in these events and making it work and convincing these people. Um, and then I met Richard. Like My last role was regional director of sales for Eastern Europe, and I was just traveling nonstop. And I just didn't love it anymore. You know, Once you're in sales for a while, it just repeats itself, that cycle, year on year. And I have ideas, like I have a big mouth and I have ideas, but you don't get to have ideas about anything that isn't sales once you're in a big corporate company. Yeah. And I just got, felt stuck. And at, that's the time when I met Richard. And, you know, with Richard and I, I just love at first sight. We just connected and we just, we, we went for these beer nights talking about what we thought the future of hospitality was. Yeah. And we really connected um, instantly about some of these ideas. And his ideas, you know, he, he's generally a, a long-term thinker. He's got big ideas. Um, and I'm like, right, so what do we do first? What, yeah. what are we going to do today as a first step towards that big idea? And I think that middle ground that we found, uh, you know, being on the opposite sides of the spectrum is, is a, it's a fantastic ground that we found. And so I joined in 2013, early 2013, um, and we started building the PMS. That was when I joined, we really pivoted towards saying, okay, there's a problem here. All these hotels want to connect with these cool startup companies, but the PMS is so, it's such legacy. This property management system is all legacy without open APIs. So all these startups cannot connect to the data that sits there. So you can't drive innovation in the experiences that employees and guests have at their hotels. Um, we just didn't know what a journey that was going to be. Like building a PMS, it was a nightmare. <laughs> like it's way harder than we'd imagined. Then we're like, sure, I've checked a few people in in my life. I, I know how this system works. But then you, once you get to the accounting piece of it, that's when it gets really hard. Well, I can only imagine too for integrations. And like, again, I started at a 716 room hotel, not as nice. a thousand rooms as you, but like the high of checking people in, it's very like you get so routine, but then you get really creative with how you interact with people based on body yeah. language. And it gets really fun and exciting. Um, and like you said, that instant gratification is there, but like with the amount of integration partners there are like, you know, I was talking with another friend, um, this last week and it was just like the, the, the tech space in vacation rentals and hotels, um, restaurants even now is becoming so big and eventually there's gonna have to be a couple big players that have to integrate with all these other little ones or these little ones are gonna have to consolidate in some, some kind of format to make it easier for the overall operator. Uh, for you yeah. guys, when you're, when you're taking this, you know, building a PMS and Richard, we, I remember it's one of my favorite episodes to be honest with the podcast outside of this one, uh, obviously <laughs> you have to do a, you know, give you a little applause there, but, um, uh, it's, uh, it, he's so future focused, so philosophical on, you know, what does that experience look like? How do you capture the guests for 168 hours out of the month rather than the 20 to 48 hours that they're there on the property? And I think about that conversation all the time. So when you guys yeah. are doing, uh, to to build this one for the audience just for anyone that maybe that hasn't listened to to richard's episode or their new listener uh what makes muse so different from any other software pms in the industry and then also uh, give us you know building this this product and this this journey of creating something so different and so unique balancing the current daily operation load that most operators are used to to then building towards a future uh that's a lot different that's a big question. <laughs> so, so, sorry, I'll go ahead. No, yeah. So, when you think about the space that we're in, which is property management system PMS, it's a terrible acronym, but it's, it's effectively 
the system that runs the hotel. It's the core system where all the reservations sit, that you check in and out, where housekeeping gets their reports from, the management gets their report from, the accountant gets their report from. Um, so it, it's a huge database of guest profile and reservation data. Um, and 80% of our industry still sits on like on-premise solution, like in a server in a back room, there's some, some system running uh, or it's um, you know hosted in the cloud and they call that a cloud system, but it yeah. isn't. And when we came into this, we said, well, you know, let's first build the PMS piece. And we built that in, as a cloud first. And none of our developers, and, well, we didn't have products. It was just developers, me and, me and Richard. We didn't come out of the hotels. I came out of hotels and Richard came. So we would inject our ideas into it. But we didn't, we didn't say, well, let's build, you know, the night audit because that's such a great feature that exists in PMS. Is this, you know, a manual procedure that a human has to do every night to move the day to the next day no. we just said these are the problems that you need to solve with this system we just listed the problems and then the developers started working on this um and and it became a very different system to what what's out there today and because you're cloud first you know you've got a you know, loading screens is much harder than when it sits in a local server so yeah. you need to bypass steps like you can't you want to bring in automation you want to make sure that a user can get very fast into a different screen and if you have an on-prem, you can very quickly load screen on top of each other, but you don't want to do that in the cloud. So we really thought about the user experience and from any screen, you could get to another part of the system with just one click. But we also thought if we're cloud first, the employees can connect to this hotel from anywhere, but also the guests can connect to it. And yeah. we said, we need to build a guest side, guest facing side to the same system, which is where the guests check in online, where the guests check out online, where they message the reception. Um, and that really was a huge step forward because suddenly anyone who buys our PMS doesn't have to buy some huge piece of software that deals with the guest. It's just a native part of our system because if a guest checks in online, they've already filled in that profile because what happens, you walk into a hotel today still, like, welcome to hotel XYZ. Yeah. Can I have your passport and your credit card? That is still the same question. I get so tired of it because it's so unnecessary today. Yeah. And it's because of data entry. Then And then a person starts opening your passport and starts typing all that data into the system. Well, why don't you have the guests do that themselves two days before arrival um, so that they can just walk in, pick up their key, or even get a remote key if, if the hotel invests into their door locks? Um, and, and that's really where it makes a difference when you have these tools that drive a lot of automation. We build in payment solutions very early on so that you know what, what Uber has done to the taxi industry, yeah. you just walk out of the taxi and everything is taken care of. You get a receipt in your inbox, you've already got your credit card online, you can still tip the, the person. That's what we did in the hotel. We deeply embedded payments into the whole journey so that at no point do you have to ask a guest for that credit card because that is the anti-hospitality approach, right? Like, oh, it's so great to have you here. Can I just check that you have money in your account? It just doesn't feel like a warm welcome. Seriously, and it's like it becomes very transactional right at the gate where more or less I would love to be like, hey, welcome. How was your trip? Do you want a cocktail? Do you want to get something yeah. to eat? Do you just want to go take a nap? But we can set a wake-up call for you. You know, stuff like that. That's way easier um, but I also love that when like Richard was talking on the episode is that uses really a CRM in, in the sense of a, if I have multiple properties around the world instead of, or, or even in just a city. And if you come stay with us, Matt, one time, your profile yeah. travels with you at any other property, knowing that you love to be on the 12th floor if possible or the highest floor north facing. So you can see the water, da, 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 like all these notes and, and travel details kind of follow you, which uh, I remember specifically if, my repeat guest checked in with a different agent 
that uh, wasn't obviously me, they would have to reinstate their, you know, I want, you know, Mr. Uh, I'll, I'll use an example. Mr. Chardine loved to use his, uh, his uh, Amex card, but he would book with a, a visa. So I would always have him switch it at check-in. Granted, like this wasn't a great system uh, yeah. <laughs> compared to Muse, but, you know, we would switch it at check-in. And then, of course, he loved to be on the top floor. He loved his bonus points rather than the, the gift uh, credit for the bar or the lounge uh, with Marriott rewards points. Like I knew all these things. And when I saw Mr. Chardin, I knew immediately how to do it. And we'd have his keys ready. He'd be on the 16th floor. Da, da, da. But anybody else, none of that. He'd have to reinstate it and he'd get frustrated because maybe it's a new person and they and they they like to be strict and they like to be like, oh, well, you're a gold member, so I'm not going to put you on the 16th floor. And yeah. there's all like these things, right? And uh, the fact that anybody can have access to that type of data, the personalized side where it's not just automated, where it's really to the intention of your profile is super, super like just that's what excited me uh, a lot out of the conversation. But um, yeah, but well, yeah. like, and it, it's that that age old question like, have you stayed with us before? I'm like, yes, they have because you know the, you can go into the profile history, but you shouldn't have to go into the profile history to figure this out. So that's we you know we put little icons on on reservation. So if it's a, a round error, I know that that's the returning guest, so I can just say welcome back to the hotel. But if you know if that's the previous complainer, you also see an icon, so you instantly see, hey, I should actually read the comments in the profile. That's so right. we, we hard coded a lot of these icons throughout so that it triggers behaviors in the employees um, that drive a better hospitality experience. And and once you connect all of those profiles through, the data just gets richer and richer over time, and you just deliver better experiences. I love that. So when you guys are creating this, now this comes the big question, right? Like, how do you balance the current day-to-day ops and the, what the industry is used to? You know, everyone's used to Opera. Everyone's used to, you know, Marsha and all this other, like, different, you know, plug-in, back-end softwares that have a big server room in the back and all this other yeah. stuff. How did you guys balance introducing this into an industry that was so legacy to now getting them to get future-focused in the sense of what this is going to look like in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Like it's been a really deliberate um, process and it takes a long time, right? You buy a PMS and then you sit on it for 20 years because our industry has been stuck with some of these systems for like 20 years and um, and we only exist for 10 years. So, um, and in the beginning, it was really hard because hotels are like, well, how do I know that you're not going to go bankrupt in a year and then we're stuck without a PMS? And that, that topic of conversation no longer happens because obviously we're well-funded at this point. But in the beginning, that was painful. And it's a lot about brand building, but also making true on your commitments to R&D to make sure that you really actually invest. And we've committed to invest 40% of all of our revenue back into R&D constantly so that we stay at the forefront of the innovation because we have ambitions to become number one and we will become number one. Like there is no question in my mind. Um, We will become the, the, the largest cloud player in the space. Um, but it requires hard work because our system isn't at that level. It, it, it's great at catering to, to you know, decent sized hotel chains, like up to 200 hotels. It is a great system. But the moment you go scale up to these really large chains, we need some additional products and features that we're building in. Um, and we're doing that right now. We've got product teams working on a lot of those features because we're going up markets. Um, yeah. But we'll, I don't think we'll ever be happy because Rich and I, you know, we're yeah. ambitious and, you know, we will never think that we're done with anything. I remember the first year we were like, right. So we didn't know anything about development, right? So we were like, so the first year we built the PMS and then the second year we built the POS. But what are we going to do with our developers after that? Because we just had no idea. And like, you know, now it's just growing and growing and we've got 
I think 100 developers and 40 people in product. So those numbers are growing and we only ever will need more developers um, just to build the same product. We're still on the PMS side of the, of the industry at this point. So we've got our work cut out for us. De- definitely it's it's uh and who knows it's gonna you guys are gonna run into some problems in the future to get it to this point and then you're gonna have to change a lot of different things that's gonna impact the whole industry again and then you guys are just at square yeah keep get, keep that cycle going um but i do have a question in the sense of you know so i saw uh not too long ago the the announcement with the core so a core and muse you know pretty big deal and a core is a very you know prestigious brand where it's it's not just a it's not a best Western yeah. or, or, you know, whatever. But um, so tell us, how is that, how's that partnership come into fruition and what was that deal looking like? And what, what do you guys expect to do with the future with the brand's partners uh, as, you know, moving into that space with them? It took us a while to get in because it's obviously a large organization. I think they're the fifth largest hotel chain in the world. Yeah. Um, so they're a large organization with a lot of hierarchy that you have to infiltrate. And we go in from multiple angles. So we have to go in on, on the ownership side because the owners have a lot of power. So we have to convince them that it's right. You want to have conversations with the brand, with the technology people. So it took us a long time um, to get in. Um, but once that ball starts rolling, and I, and I think our core really, it's smart what they're doing. Right. They basically and a lot of hotel chains have their own legacy software that they built themselves. And the pandemic has been an accelerator for them to realize, right, when my hotels are empty, it's not great to maintain this huge technology team that is maintaining legacy software. These are old solutions that they're maintaining and keeping alive. Um, and of course, really put their hand in the fire as the first hotel company saying we are going into the cloud um, and we're going to work with off the shelf solutions like Muse. Um, and I think it's just really brave because some of the other brands are still stuck with their legacy software. And at some point, they're going to have to move because that software is just not going to survive. So either you rebuild everything from the ground up, which is a huge investment, or you go with an off-the-shelf solution that is completely integrated in the entire infrastructure of, of, of apps out there. Um, and I think inevitably, some of these brands will have to move move forward. And, and Accor was definitely at the forefront of that, that decision, I think, really brave and i'm excited to see the rollout happening we've got i think about 70 or 80 hotels live with them and it's and it's moving fast now wow well i was gonna say and you know you're kind of talking like they're keeping they keep it's a big investment for them to you know to re you know keep building on these legacy softwares but at the end of the day they're just putting band-aids on something that's already pretty much dead in a sense of it's no longer what we need it's no longer what yeah. That's it. Right? If you think about an independent hotels that can very quickly change their PMS and suddenly benefit from online check-in, online check-out, automated yeah. payments. So an independent hotels can move so fast to change the way that customers experience them. But as a, as a large hotel brand, it's going to be really hard and a slow move. It's going to take multiple years to get there. So the only way to do that is by taking an off-the-shelf solution that is built in the cloud, that is already integrated with everything. Because if you have to start from scratch, it's just going to take too long and you're going to lose out to independent brands. Definitely. And you know, one thing, and I, I know you guys work outside of just hotels, right? You have, you know, vacation rentals, hostels, yeah, or stuff. And I think, you know, I have another really big question for you, but um, you know, outside of the hotel, you're not just like Richard described, you're not selling a room, you're selling space, right? So how can you, yeah. how can you manage the overall revenue of the space rather than just, a bed, a shower, and a, possibly a desk uh, to work, right? That's that's pretty much what you're yeah. getting. So where do you guys see that shifting? Do you see operators really thinking about how they're selling room nights rather than, you know, 
maybe changing a couple of rooms to a podcast studio and letting locals come record a podcast or do YouTubes or co-working and like selling the space differently rather than just nightly revenue compared to comparative to, you know, other type of industries that can use a space or use whatever product and service throughout any hours of the day. Yeah, we've got a few customers that are super creative on this side. So I think one of the customers we love working with is student hotels. Um, and they've really figured out how do you combine the local community with hotel guests and, and make that really buzzing. So you've got students for a semester, they move out over the summer, and then you fill those rooms with other types of customers. Um, and that flexibility in the pandemic has been amazing because they could very quickly shift to different segments. Um, and, and you see customers who are really experimenting with co-working space and loading tables in a lobby into a co-working s- solution inside Muse. Yeah. And, and you think about every square meter in your hotel that you need to optimize from a real estate point of view. And traditionally, yeah. you make money off the rooms. Um, mm-hmm. And that's great. But actually, right now, it's pretty empty and you need to start getting creative. Um, and, and we're just daring hotels to get way more creative. We loaded all these space types in our system and we're like, you know, just try it out. Just put it online, stick it on your website, start selling it online. Um, and, and, and some hotels have really benefited from it. And yes, you need to get creative with it um, because not everyone is set up for it. So maybe you need to convert part of your lobby into a co-working space and um, maybe deploy kiosks there. So that, because yeah. generally a lobby is a space where you have this giant reception desk where people queue up for a bad experience. Maybe rethink that whole experience so that you, it's your prime real estate. The lobby is the nicest piece of the hotel yeah. that is used for queuing up at a reception desk. Rethink that. You can totally do it in a different way. So you're seeing a lot of partners shift away from the front desk. And I've always kind of called it like the last few years, I've kind of called it the the Verizon wireless model, right? Where you walk in and there's not like a desk or counter you go to. They just kind of come up with an iPad and do this. Yeah. I see a lot of partners going towards that direction or even just like the kiosk where there's someone there to help if needed. But yeah, today it's at the leisure of the guests to really check themselves in, put all their information, do their That's own it. stuff. That's it. Like we've got this client, the Zwell in London, and it's just, it's like you're walking into an Apple store. They have this beautiful designed lobby and then a really nice designed row of kiosks that you come up to um, and you can pretty much check yourself in. But if you get stuck here, there's a really friendly person to go and help you. And they're always on standby walking around. But that way you need less staff, um, which is critical because staff is a real problem in our industry today. Yeah. Um, but also guests like it, like they like they're used to doing that now and they're not enjoying you asking them for their passport and their credit card and seeing you yeah. punch that data into the system. There is no enjoyment in that check-in process. So think about how can you change that? Yeah, no, for sure. And airports are doing it. They're, they're getting more, you know, I'm a big Alaska Airlines member. So, you know, I'll, I'll immediately, obviously I do it on my phone because millennials, yeah. right? Um, but, uh, but the, at the end of the day, when you walk in the airport, you still see all those kiosks there. People like the printed out ticket. There's that option. Um, and, and really the, the major issue or cue that you've been calling it is really for checking bags and, and doing the yeah. stuff you kind of have to do. You can't and, really. And it's for those guests who actually want the attention. So if you can yeah. cut, you know, half of your queue and then not get stressed out because there's five people waiting who actually don't need your help yeah. and focus on those guests who really want to have that conversation, um, and I think that's really the difference. Like a lot, segment your customers and business travelers. They just want to get to the room and know what the Wi-Fi code is. They don't want that experience. They, it's just about speed because they're just in the destination for a short period of time. And efficiency is more important than service. And segment your customers, um, and that's what's going to drive much better service and happy, happier customers. 
have you guys seen the the business customers like i know i'm a big so i'm a gold member with marriott bonvoy i'm a gold with alaska like i kind of like you know i like to get those rewards points and i kind of like you know the the recognition right like it's like hey you're loyal i'm a very big loyalist like yeah personal life with friends and family and uh people in the business world like very much like if you're if you're real with me i'm 100 like loyal that's it I, i'll be uh you know a lost puppy that you know will follow you the day <laughs> we die um but you know have you like with surveys or anything like that in the data in the industry are are business members that you know outside of the the couple that wants to get the wi-fi code they just want to get to the room they want to go work have a cocktail do whatever is there that still is there a small percent percentage that likes to get that you know a little recognition oh welcome back uh matt we, we we're so happy to see you uh you know here's a voucher go get a cocktail i know that you love talking to ben over there he's a great guy blah 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 like do you do you see that happening or is that really just like their focus is get to the room get the wi-fi and do my thing i've said this on slick talk many times before and as time goes on it becomes more and more true Operators have been so used to multiple logins, different dashboards, and overall segregated data points for their hospitality brand. I'm proud to say this is no longer going to be the case for the industry. As a podcast partner, Journey MOS is made for operators by operators. One dashboard, one solution to keep your business in shape and ahead of the competition. If you think this is too good to be true, then you need to go to journey.com, that is J-U-R-N-Y.com, to learn how Journey MOS can get you ahead of the big players in your market. And now, back to the episode. Like, I'm sure it exists, right? So, and you can build that into this, like, you can totally build in workflows where those customers can still check themselves in online, but... You know, you could work with Zapier to trigger a workflow saying if this VP, if VIP checks in, SMS the, the lobby host yeah. who instantly knows that the guy is just checking in at the, at the desk. So they know to go and say, hey, welcome back. And it's that would be such a smooth experience if that instantly happens. Yeah. Um, and you can you can do so much with Zapier complete, completely integrated with, with, with Muse and every trigger in the system, like every button you click could become a trigger to do an action. It's this. You know, you come into your room and there's a bottle of melted ice with a with wine in because they put it there at two o'clock in the afternoon. And warm cheese that's wrapped. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate the cheese with the fruit that's being pre-cut and it just yeah. dried up. Yeah. But that could be the moment you press check in, it SMSs the room service department to go and bring you that. So the moment you walk into your room, within five minutes, Fresh. someone knocks on your door with with really really nice surprise and actually it will be more personal because you actually can say, Hey, welcome back to the hotel versus it just being there with a, with a, a greeting card that's been pre-printed. What a, what a slick experience. Yeah. No, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, but no, that's so cool. I love just like the, the creativity on the other side. Cause the one thing I think, you know, as we're prepping for 2022, uh, working with partners on our end and, and going into these big operators and these tech companies, the number one thing I think we're seeing is like, everyone's so focused on automation which is great like automation does need to get rid of a lot of the the you know the the bs behind the scenes where you know like the the front desk agent typing and all the information that is just something that or switching night audit like that is just the worst waste of time (laughs) i I literally interviewed a girl uh, at hilton and we tried to recruit her and she actually i think she's joining us and she's a night auditor and i was like okay tell me about what you do at night and she went through the process and she's like, you know, every second night we have to call the Indian support because 
it gets stuck every night. I'm like, yeah, it gets stuck because it's a stupid process that shouldn't have been there in the first place. But there are physically people in our industry that at night go and like swirl the system to, to ramp it into the next day and to post all these charges. And it's crazy. It just doesn't make sense to me anymore. Yeah, no, it makes no sense. But I love that you guys are getting into that balance of not just automate, 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 but really keep that personal experience because that's where a lot of people go wrong is that they fully automate the messaging. They fully automate the turnover yeah. housekeeper. They fully automate, do these things. And then they remove the human and the human interaction, the experience completely. And that is where a lot of issues come up. You see these great brands that really start declining in service uh, scores where it's like they used to be the number one on TripAdvisor. Or they used to be you know, at a, on Airbnb. They used to be at a 4.9 star rating, but now they're like slowly slipping away uh, yeah. from that because of too much automation. And I love that you guys are really keeping that balance uh, into what you guys are building at Muse. Like so, at the core, we're hoteliers. We, we just love our industry and, and we travel so much that we just want to, I'd love to be surprised by hotels sometimes, you know, when something unexpected happens and it, it's rare yeah. to be honest that it happens, but when it happens, it's, it's a memorable experience that I'll talk about. I was going to say, uh, has building Muse and being so deep in the development of a, a product like like it is uh do you just get so like are you just critiquing every hotel when you walk in is it just kind of ruined that part for you at all yeah it does there's so many it does like you just you know what a hotel can do and you just you know most of the time see bad experiences um and, and you do critique everything. And I, I don't like it. Like, you know, when I go out with my partner and I point out all the things that are wrong, I actually would love to point out all the things that I love about something. But most of the time you focus on the negative and yeah. as do I as well. Yeah, uh, I it's it's horrible. I was just talking to a bunch of friends in, in Miami and we're just like, uh, it just ruins the experience. Because like, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Mexico for a month. Or I'm going to go to Bahamas. Are they going to do this thing? But then it's like they get there and they're like, all right. All right, the the landscaping's dirty, needs fixing. That needs paint. <laughs> this, uh, the communication, give me my door code. The door uh, instruction or the check-in instructions are confusing. Like all this stuff, and it's like, ah, uh, I wish, like you said, I wish I could highlight the the better points more often rather yeah. than negative. But oh well, one of <laughs> at those, least you get to travel. Yes, exactly. At least we're not you know stuck behind a screen twenty four seven. So back to another big question. We've kind of touched it a little bit. Um, you, you mentioned you, you're, you're committed to investing about 40% of your, your revenue back into building what Muse is and can do for more and more in the future. So outside of that, outside of that investment, that commitment, how do you guys prevent yourself from becoming a legacy software? How do you make sure that you don't become, and excuse me for anyone that may be listening at Opera or whatever, but how do you not become Opera? How do you not yeah. become these, these softwares that are really just becoming replaceable and and it's a it's a hard hard thing because there's a difference between sales-led growth growth and product-led growth and most pms companies they are sales-led growth meaning i'm about to sign a major deal so and they will want five features so we're going to just build five features that they ask us without questioning whether those are the right features to build for the future Um, and we really push hard to become product-led growth and there are elements of you know, sales-led growth in there where sometimes, yes, we do talk to a chain and they're insisting that we put some something on the roadmap and yeah. we'll question it so that we build it in a different way so that it makes more sense. Um, but it's, it's really product-led growth is at the core of what we're trying to build and giving the product team the freedom to discover better solutions rather than you know, us, our sales team dictating what the roadmap looks like. 
And it is very hard. Let me tell you, when you talk to major companies like an Accor, yeah. you know, to say no to some of their requests, it takes yeah a lot of courage to get on those calls and to to say sorry, we're not we're not going to do it because we don't think it makes sense. But we do say no more than we say yes, and I think that's the most important thing to to stay on the innovative side of it. But yeah, at some point we will become legacy. If you know, it's just we the bigger we get, bureaucracy comes in uh, much faster and we try very hard to make sure that it doesn't slow us down, but it will at at some point. Um, But as long as we're aware of it and we can fight it, um, I think we can hold it at bay. Well, it kind of gives the like mindset I've talked about a few other times, like, you know, Elon Musk talks about his patent for Tesla, right? Like everything is public. It's free information. Anyone can copy. I think like having that mindset that you just said there is that it does kind of like, if you get to that point where, you know, like, if it let's say 30, 40 years down the road, right? News is no longer the the top you know brand, and then it gives but it gives everyone the the, the new generation for whatever that change and shift is going to be in the industry. It gives them that yeah. to really look at something as an example and say, we're going to be Muse, but we're going to be the like you know we're going to be our generation's Muse. We're going to be our future's uh, Muse for the industry. And I think that's like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, legacy is a good word when you're leaving a positive legacy as that, which is people looking towards you as a like kind of a North star for yeah. what, what is possible. Right. So I think at the end of the day, yeah, if you come become legacy, it's going to be a good one. So at least it's not, yeah. Gonna, yeah. Uh, exactly. well, that company <laughs> shit, so, you know, get rid of them and never like, that's an example of what not to do. Uh, you yeah. get the opposite. So that's really encouraging. Um, Okay, I'll, I'll try to wrap it up with one more quick question. It's kind of a more rapid fire, but 2022 is a very exciting year for, I think, the whole industry. I, I think we kind of come out of that gray fog and gloom that we were uh, in in 2020 and 2021. But what do you think of, you know, you know, for the roadmap for you guys as, as a CEO, as a company, or even just the industry as a whole, this next year and even 2023? I can't believe I'm saying the word 2023, but, you know, just going into that, where do, where do you guys see things going? Do you see any any specific thing? Like we're always talking about remote work and all this other like trends and topics, but do you see anything new that people aren't talking about? I think people are going to very click, quickly snap back to what they're used to, um, unfortunately. I wish that, you know, suddenly hotels would become super innovative and have co-working spaces everywhere. But I think the core of our industry will still be bedrooms and um, we're just waiting for all of the travel to bounce back. You know, leisure, it'll bounce back. By April, like Easter is going to be that start sign for the leisure travel season. I think a lot of companies will want to meet their team. So you see a lot of conventions getting booked very last minute. Um, but the corporate is not going to come back immediately. And uh, in 2023, I think we'll see some rebound of it. Some hotels will, you know, some, some companies will allow for remote work, but others are trying to get their teams back in. So... I think a lot of companies that were more traditional to begin with were probably bound back and, and it will normalize. But there is a lot of innovation around what you could, like. The one thing that excites me is we've become a remote first organization. Yeah. And I think a lot of other companies do as well. And that's great for travel because that means, you know, our CFO uh, is working from an island in, in Spain for the next seven weeks yeah. because she can. Yeah. She just needs a computer. And she, she can just be online there. It doesn't matter. And at least she gets sunshine. I'm sitting in the rain here in Prague. In Prague. And I, I, that is something that really excites me, that companies become innovative about where employees can be. 
And hotels will then need to adapt to that because I don't want to be stuck in a 17 square meter room in London. Um, no, I want a proper workspace and a separate working room. And some of these hotels have really started thinking about that. Um, but it's going to be a slow burn. I think it's going to take a while for the industries to adapt to it. But that's the one that I get excited about because I love it when I dial into one of our team members and I'm like, where are you? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter that they're there. I love that they're traveling and that they're exploring the world. I think it's an exciting thing. Uh, me too. I, I agree. I'll be in uh, Cancun for the whole month of March. Which nice. like, I, like you, like I, I want to get out of the rain and the snow. So uh, yeah. I, granted, it's nice, but you know, if we can go somewhere else, why not? Um, yeah, that's very exciting. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the traditional companies, because, you know, I, I was always asked a question throughout COVID is just, do you see people going backwards when when things open up when the whole world internationally and domestically travels like normal, normal numbers, 2019, 18 numbers, you know, how many hoteliers or how many you know operators are really going to go, okay, no need to invest in smart locks, no need to invest in these, no need to like, we're, we're good. We, we, we attempted to get people there uh, during COVID and to fill up some occupancy. And we, we said the right things and we showed the right cleaning procedures and blah, blah, blah. But now it's back to back to square one, go to the front desk, uh, have an old legacy software that keeps crashing. Yeah. Uh, overbooking, <laughs> all this other stuff. Like, you know, how many people are going to go to that? And it's unfortunately probably a bigger number than I expect, but at the end of the day, hopefully you'll have some of those that just keep building off the excitement of travel being back at the number where yeah. they have to meet these new demands. Um, it'd be a, be a good time. Nice. Yes. Hopefully. Um, nice. Awesome. Well, I love to ask the final question for our, our uh, guests on the show. Where's one link, one place, obviously we'll put more, we'll put the muse website and LinkedIn and Facebook and everything there. Um, you guys, Instagram is super fun to follow by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's super great to see all the staff and, and just the team members and everything really just, get crazy and have fun with the stories and it's just really cool um but where's like one place that you can send anyone listening to right now like to just a link that they should go and visit yeah, yeah in the show notes like if they're just scrolling through show notes and they say this is the number one link that matt suggested to go to where would it go like i am obsessed with linkedin and i think linkedin is such a positive platform like throughout the pandemic a lot of those other social platforms have become this center of negativity but LinkedIn throughout it all has been just a space for positivity. And Richard and I are incredibly active on LinkedIn because it's, it's a way to engage with our customers. And sure. um, if, if I'd say anything, you know, add me on LinkedIn. Um, and we post constantly about our culture, the company, but also about the innovation that we're doing. Um, and it's, it, it's the platform that's where I found investors into the company and where we found employees. And it's, it's, it's such a good platform. And I, I'm not, I don't work for Microsoft to promote it, but you know, it's, it's one of the platforms that I've been on since the start. And I, I think it's wonderful if you subscribe to the right people. 100%. I am, uh, I'll second that message and I'll make sure everything is in the show notes. So if you're listening right now, go ahead, check it out. I'll put Matt's LinkedIn. I'll put the Muse LinkedIn. We'll get everyone all connected. Uh, it'd be great. And I just want to say thank Thanks. you so much for being on the show, Matt. It's been incredible to really pick your brain and kind of geek out in a more exciting way than than most. So it's really cool to, to see what you guys are doing and building at Muse. Thank you. My pleasure. Awesome. And if everyone that's listening, uh, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to everything at Muse. And we'll see you guys all again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoy the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. 
So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. Smart locks, smart thermostats, automation, and a solution for any hotel and vacation rental company. Our show partners at Operto are the leading solution for operators to enhance their operations by integrating with your property management software and making sure that all your smart devices create a contactless guest experience while streamlining your operations. So don't forget to check them out on their website, send me a message, or just let them know that we'll send you and you are in good hands. So get ready to enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast and check out operto.com or go to the podcast website and see our partners page. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.